0: Good bone health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis, from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute for medical advice of physicians. You may review the National Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at nof.org.
1: Hello, this is Liz Thompson. I'm the CEO at the National Osteoporosis Foundation, and I am delighted to have Dr. Felicia Cosman with us today. Dr. Cosman is an osteoporosis specialist, an endocrinologist, a clinical scientist, and professor of medicine at Columbia University. She's also the co-editor-in-chief of the journal Osteoporosis International. For those of you who are our non-medical listeners, The OI Journal is an international, multidisciplinary publication that provides a forum for communication and exchange of current research related to the diagnosis, prevention, treatment, and management of osteoporosis and other metabolic bone diseases. Today, we're here to learn from an expert who will be able to share multiple perspectives because Dr. Cosman, as I said earlier, is a clinical researcher physician and osteoporosis patient. She's agreed to share her journey with osteoporosis, as well as to explain the role of anabolic medications and other therapies. To begin, Dr. Cosman, will you please share a little bit about your medical and clinical background with our listener, and what inspired you to take this career path?
2: Sure, and thanks very much for inviting me to do this uh, program today, Liz. I think I first became interested in bones during my endocrinology training at uh, Columbia Presbyterian. I was fascinated by this idea that bone was a living organ in the body. You know, often people think of bones as being dead, but it's loaded with cells and it's constantly renewing itself and it responds to all the hormones and signals in the body and became fascinated with that. And then from a clinical perspective, I found out that my mother had vertebral fractures that were diagnosed by chance when she was being evaluated for a different uh, medical issue, and that kind of solidified my interest in pursuing the field of osteoporosis. When I first started, there were very few options available to treat osteoporosis. And now after 30 years, the field has progressed markedly and and we have many uh, medications which can really change the course of this disease. So it's been very satisfying.
1: Well, that is a great connector to my next question. What is the difference between anabolic and anti-resorptive medications? And why is it important for our listener to understand this difference?
2: Okay, there are two basic classes of osteoporosis medications, and they're separated really by how they work. The anabolic medications actually build bone tissue and stimulate the cells that make bone to make more and make it faster. The anti-resorptive medications work primarily by reducing the rate of the breakdown of bone tissue, and both of these medicines can make bones stronger and more resistant to breaking or fracturing, but the magnitude of the effect, the strength of the effect, and also the speed of action of these uh, different types of medications differs. And so for patients who might be at very near-term high risk of fracture, the medicines that work the fastest and the strongest are the ones that might be best for them.
1: Go back to that a little bit. Who are the best candidates for these medications?
2: Okay, so the best candidates for the bone building or anabolic medications are the people who are at really high risk for fractures or, or bone breaks. I'm going to use the, the term fracture because that's what I use mostly. And most importantly, a person who's had a recent fracture from osteoporosis is really the, the top candidate. And keep in mind that most fractures that occur in adults that result from minor incidents, a a fall from standing height or banging into a piece of furniture or a cough or a sneeze or a, a fracture that occurs in a hug, these are due to osteoporosis. Many people don't realize that. Some exceptions are the fractures that occur in the fingers and toes or the face and the skull. These are not related to osteoporosis, but almost all the other fractures in these minor incidents are. And the risk of having another fracture is really high for several years after this first fracture episode occurs. And I I like to think of this as an osteoporosis emergency. We need to treat these patients uh, with powerful medicines really fast in order to prevent more fractures from occurring. There's also another type of fracture, which is not so clinically obvious, but it's also a major sign of osteoporosis, uh, what we call skeletal fragility or, or bone weakness. And that's the vertebral or the spine fracture. And in this type of fracture, the bone collapses into itself, and it loses height and shape, and this is the major bone of your backbone, your spine, and it's a fracture that can cause people to develop that deformity that's called the dowager's hump and to lose height, and ultimately, these fractures cause more fractures of both the spine and the rest of the skeleton, and these are also an osteoporosis emergency, but they're not so clinically obvious, so doctors and patients really need to try to look for these fractures when indicated by testing for them as needed.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more? So you've described that patient pretty clearly, and then if the patient and the physician decide to go forward with an anabolic medication, can you help us understand what that looks like, the treatment uh, protocol?
2: Sure. So Ultimately, the idea here, the goal of uh, treating patients with osteoporosis is to prevent fractures and the consequent fractures. And some of the consequences are really dire. And what we see is progressive loss of mobility and disability, in some cases, back deformity and chronic pain, loss of independence, and even sometimes people are going to die uh, after fractures, particularly uh, hip fractures. We know that each fracture begets more fractures. And we sometimes call this the downward spiral in osteoporosis. And the idea is to try to institute the appropriate bone protective measures as soon as possible. And that has to include for patients who've had recent fractures, that has to include medication. And the, the anabolic medications are most appropriate for this group of patients because they act so quickly to repair and to strengthen the, skeleton to interrupt this downward spiral towards disability and and immobility and loss of independence.
1: Well, Dr. Cosman, that certainly sounds like there is hope for patients, even if they've had a fracture. For patients who've not yet had fractures, could anabolic medications be a possibility for them?
2: Certainly for some people, Liz. So, you know, some people who initially present with a very low density, bone density, especially if they have risk factors also. So, for example, a woman who's got a bone density T-score in the range of perhaps minus three or or lower. Keep in mind, the osteoporosis diagnosis point is minus 2.5 by bone density. So minus three is a little lower than where we would uh, just diagnose osteoporosis. So a woman in this range who also has, for example, a family history of osteoporosis, or an underlying disease that increases the risk of osteoporosis or medications that might have detrimental effects on bone tissue or lifestyle issues that increase the risk. Obviously, you wanna work on those lifestyle issues themselves, but all of these factors plus a low bone density might be a situation where a patient would really benefit from bone building medications. One of the ways that I, I think about this is that uh, if you're younger with a very low bone density, you may not have such a high near-term or imminent risk the way I was describing for the patients who've had recent fractures. But your long-term risk of having a fracture is very high if you're a young woman in in her mid-50s or older who has uh, a low bone density with or without these risk factors. And building up the bone mass and trying to repair the bone structure with these anabolic bone-building medications is a very appropriate way to proceed.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. What are the brand names for these medications that we're talking about today?
2: So they are Forteo and Timlos are the two medications that are currently in the bone building class.
1: Are these medications safe, Dr. Cosman? Are there some patients who should not take them? And if they're so good, why shouldn't all patients take them?
2: Well um yeah these these <laughs> medicines are actually they're small proteins and unfortunately Proteins get dissolved when you take them by mouth, and so they can't be taken as pills. So actually, they require a daily injection, just into the fatty tissue, just under your skin. That's called a subcutaneous injection, like insulin, for example. And for Timlos, these are injected into the subcutaneous tissue in your abdomen. For Forteo, it can be used in the abdomen or in the thigh, but all just superficial injections. Now, you know, I've been doing this for a while, and I know whenever I mention the idea of injections to anybody, it sounds really scary when they hear it, but the needle is really tiny, and the amount of medicine that you inject into the body is so small that there's almost no discomfort at all associated with these injections, so you barely feel it. But obviously, this is not appropriate for everybody and although the medicines are safe, like all medications, there can be some side effects. So some of the ones that patients should know about are dizziness, palpitations, Uh, nausea or headache, usually these are very mild symptoms. Leg cramps and muscle aches can occur. There can be a small increase in your blood or urine calcium. And another issue that has to be discussed is that these uh, medicines were tested in rat studies. And in the rat studies, when they gave high doses over a long period of time to rats, they developed a particular type of bone tumor called osteosarcoma in some cases. And we don't think that this has any relevance to the use in humans, and we're really reassured by some long-term surveillance studies that were done to make sure that these medicines were safe in human beings. Nevertheless, we don't want to use these medicines in people who don't need them, and we don't want to use them in people who might be at higher risk for these uh, bone tumors, which are, thank goodness, very rare in adult uh, individuals, very rare. But for people who might be at higher risk, these include, for example, individuals who might have had a tumor like this during childhood where it's more common, or people who have a family history of this particular type of bone tumor, or probably the most common situation, people who've had radiation treatment to the bones because the radiation itself can increase the risk of this type of tumor. So although these medicines are really strong and they're safe, they are not for all people. Thank you very
1: much. I think what I took away from that is that they are safe and that this is like all things, it requires a discussion between a patient and a physician, an informed discussion about the risks and benefits. And that really varies person to person. Thank you exactly. for a really good description of that.
2: Thank you. What
1: are the new medications that might be on the horizon?
2: We are excited. There is a new anabolic bone-building medication that is on the horizon. It looks like a very powerful medicine. It's administered once per month, also by injection. That's most likely going to be done in a healthcare provider's office. And we hope that we'll see the approval and, and the availability of this medicine in the next month or so.
1: That's really exciting. That's terrific. I'm gonna switch gears a little bit now because you have been an incredibly important voice in this field, not only as a clinician and a researcher, but now also as a patient yourself. Would you please share the decision-making process you took to start medication?
2: sure i'm actually one of these people that i described i found out i had very low bone mass when i was a young woman being in the field i had easy access to bone density testing and i i tested my bones i have to tell you i was lower than the vast majority of most of my patients which is so ironic and wow. you know if you look at me i'm, I'm a healthy woman I, i've never had a fracture i'm very lucky and very active and i have a really and and busy life. But I knew from an early age that I was very high risk. This is while I was still menstruating and really I had just had babies and so medication wasn't needed at that time. But after I went through menopause, I knew I needed to take something and I, I started to take a preventive therapy, but unfortunately it didn't really work so well. And I, I did my bone density again and it was incredibly low. And as I mentioned, you know, I also had the family history of fracture in my mom. And so I knew that I needed to take action. And I considered it to be so lucky that there were these bone building medications available to me because I wanted to reconstruct my bones and particularly the bones of my spine, which were incredibly low. And for me, it was very clear that I would take a bone building uh, medication, which I am currently on. And these medicines... Are so effective, and particularly when you look at these vertebral fractures, the ones that my mom had that, that caused this deformity and, and back pain and height loss these medicines prevent almost 90 percent of vertebral fractures over a one- and a half to two-year time frame. So you know that's as close to a cure as you can really get. And then on top of that, they reduce the risk of fractures in the, the rest of the skeleton by about 50%. So they're very powerful. And for me, it was clear that I wanted to start with this the way I view it is kind of lift myself off of this high-risk curve and put myself on a low-risk trajectory and to kind of take these bone-building medicines and then to go back to more medicines that will maintain the strength and the integrity that I'm building under the influence of the anabolic medication.
1: Wow, what a story. Thank you for sharing that. And also, thanks for sharing the hope that medicines can bring in terms of building our bones and having the healthy, active lifestyles that we all want to have. Sharing your story means so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When you think back on your personal journey and certainly your role as a physician, what kinds of questions should someone consider prior to being on osteoporosis medication? How can they engage their healthcare provider in this subject?
2: Welcome, Liz. It's a pleasure to provide information that can help other uh, people feel comfortable with medicine and feel hopeful about changing the risk of having fractures and, and consequences of osteoporosis. I think that patients need to be really proactive and engage their healthcare providers with these types of questions. So, do I have osteoporosis? How severe is it? Do I need a test to look for these silent spine fractures? Am I one of these people who might have this? And this has to be looked at as part of any kind of comprehensive risk assessment program. What's the goal of my osteoporosis treatment? How long will I be on the medicine? What are the options of what I can take right now? What else should I be doing to strengthen my bone tissue? What exercise, what nutritional changes can I make? Do I really need medication? And what are the risks of treating with medication, but also, really importantly, people don't think about this, what, what are the risks of not treating with medication? A lot of times we focus, I think it's natural, on you know, the risks of the medications themselves, but we also need to understand how it might be very risky not to opt to take the medication that's needed.
1: That is a fantastic point, and I think you're absolutely right. We're inundated with information about contraindications or the negatives of medicine, but medicine is there to help us, and as you underscored a few minutes ago, we have an almost cure with some of the medications in bone. And there is a real cost to not taking medication in some circumstances. Thank you for that really wonderful summary. As we close today, with your wealth of expertise in this area, what are the two or three things our listeners should take away from the podcast today?
2: Okay, so I think a few really key issues. Having a fracture or bone break is a more important Indicator of the risk of fractures, even than bone density alone. Height loss or a dowager's hump or a round shouldered appearance might be a sign of vertebral fractures, and that's a sign of more advanced osteoporosis, like clinical fractures uh, that are obvious. That is also probably even more important than just bone density alone. And that medication to treat patients who have more severe osteoporosis is available. These bone uh, anabolic medications are very effective and also safe and can really restore the integrity of the skeleton, the strength of the skeleton, and put us a- into a much stronger position over the ensuing years than leaving this disease untreated.
1: Once again, thank you, Dr. Cosman, for sharing your expertise and your personal story today. You've certainly helped our listener understand more about osteoporosis, medication options, especially the new anabolic agents, and questions to ask their healthcare provider. Listener, as you leave the podcast today, we encourage you to get additional information and to act on your bone health. There's a wealth of resources on the National Osteoporosis Foundation's website at nof.org. We're also interested to hear your story, and we hope that you'll share that with us also at nof.org. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you tune in again soon to Bone Talk.
0: Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the National Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved, and or help fuel NOF's mission with financial support, visit NOF.org.